And right now, we're really excited and pleased to have uh, Carla Miklos joining us. Carla, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Hello. Um, Terrific. And um, Carla, for those of you who don't know, she's played a very important role here in Connecticut in ending in the effort to end chronic homelessness. Um, She's really worked tirelessly to change the way homeless individuals and their families are served in, in the Fairfield area and across the region. She, she joined operation hope in 2007 after working for the Connecticut housing finance authority as a manager of their residential lending division. And she's a, she's a long-term advocate of affordable housing, homeless prevention, and economic opportunity. Um, I thought it would be really interesting to have Carl on here, you know, as we, in, in light of our theme on mental health and everything she's experienced. But Carla, before we get into that, why don't you please tell us a little bit more about yourself as a leader and how you became a homeless advocate and, you know, just as a person as well. Oh, sure. And thank you for having me. Um, I do think that the intersection of housing and mental health is really an important one to make. Um, But so a little bit about me. Um, I had about a 15 year career in um, banking and housing finance and um, had this amazing opportunity the last uh, maybe seven years of my um, banking career. I worked in default management. So I learned all about eviction and foreclosure and I sold a lot of defaulted portfolios to investment bankers. And while that was interesting and fun, I kept thinking about how could I take these things that I've learned and help my community? And so I had an opportunity to go work for Family Services Woodfield, which is now LifeBridge in Bridgeport, Mm -hmm. and help out with a little fledgling uh, homeless prevention loan program. They didn't know how to run a loan program. That was something I certainly knew how to do. And from there, I grew a community development financial institution based on economic empowerment for people. Um, in the form of savings, access to credit, uh, financial literacy education, and the like. So that was really a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed it. But I kept thinking, you know, if more people could figure out how to apply the things they've learned in other disciplines to these problems, we could start to solve some of them. And I've been very fortunate to be able to do that. So something got triggered in you where you were, you know, sort of approaching things as a banker, uh, you know, almost like a financial engineer, and something triggered your heart to say, wait a minute, maybe there's another way I can help people rather than just creating documents, you know, and, and, and that type of thing, you know? Right. And, um, and I also, um, I have a somewhat of an interesting background. I was raised by parents who were a little counterculture, social justice warrior type people. And so I always had that in in the back of my mind. And I think like my father now passed, but I think he was probably like a little horrified when I started working in banking because he just thought it was just beyond the realm of his understanding. But so are um, you are you so, saying social good was in your DNA? <laughs> I think perhaps you know perhaps. we talked a little about DNA and you know what imprints are in there, and I think that maybe there might be something to that. But I've just been fortunate to be provided an opportunity like this because. I really feel like um, it's an incredible blessing to be able to give a voice to people who don't have one. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, please tell tell our listeners uh, a little bit more about Operation Hope, because you're sitting right here in the Fairfield area, Fairfield County area. Um, and 
And as part of your answer, and I could, maybe I could ask you this as the second question, um, all these years, what have you learned about, about mental health through your experience of working with the homeless and the hungry? Okay, so yes. Uh, so first off, um, Operation Hope has been serving the community for over 35 years. We started out as a homeless shelter, and not too long after that, we opened up both a community food pantry and a community kitchen. Currently, we our food pantry serves about 800 local households on a regular basis, over 150,000 meals a year. And our community kitchen is open Mondays through Fridays for lunch and dinner for anyone in the community who is hungry. You just said um, you just said 150,000 meals a year. Yes. Wow. It's not small. And there are, you know, a funny thing, segue, uh, funny thing about Fairfield County is, you know, the, it's the uh, income disparity, right? The, the greatest income and the smallest incomes live in close proximity of each other. And so it creates a lot of need because the cost of living is skewed towards the high end. And, um, you know, in, in Fairfield County specifically, we have Stamford, Norwalk and Bridgeport and Danbury, if we remember, that's also in Fairfield County. Yeah, and right. Those struggling. And then we have suburbs of, you know, moderate to extreme wealth surrounding these suburbs, these cities. And it does create a lot of need. And definitely right here at home, we have plenty of people in need. So um, and hunger is one of those things. It's like one in eight people are hungry. It's pretty much the same everywhere. Uh, similar to mental health. One in four people struggle with mental health or substance use. And um, that's the same in everybody's community. So, um, so anyway, uh, when we were uh, operating our shelter and um, providing food for the community, we started to realize if we kept turning people out, you know, at the end of a shelter stay, they were still homeless. So what could we do differently? And we started purchasing and renovating uh, multifamily homes, nice, quiet, quietly, no signs, no fanfare, and moving people in and surrounding them with case management. Because we realized that the root causes of homelessness are not just bad luck or even poverty, but there's also usually a streak of more challenges some trauma, some mental health or substance use, and having a trusted counselor could make all the difference. Today, we call that permanent supportive housing, and it's housing that comes with support. And currently today, we have 70 units of affordable supportive housing that we um, operate or own, and we house about another 300 people a year through a lot of rapid rehousing type of initiatives. Yeah, it would um, seem like that counseling aspect is really important from the standpoint that you know, many of the people that you would be serving have already experienced some trauma. And they're, yeah. you know, as as all of us know, it, to some degree, we all have some kind of family of origin trauma, usually, uh, you know, whether it's trying to even things more benign than, than hunger and homelessness and fear, but things like just trying to please other people all the time or, or seeking other people's approval. Um, in a way, those are traumas. So, uh, what you're talking about, Carla, is uh, the thing you learned sounds to me like we didn't want to just give people food. We wanted to help break the cycle and, and have a counselor there that can help them really kind of uh, evolve themselves to where they could work their way out of this and then uh, potentially in turn uh, not pass it on to their children and, you know, is what we like to call in nonprofit language, break the cycle. Right. Exactly. And I think the first the first thing in breaking the cycle is helping somebody understand that they've been seen. I see you. I validate you. You are here as a human being right in front of me, and there's with no judgment, I'm going to serve you. 
And I think there's something very powerful about being able to look somebody in the eye and, and just let them know that they're, that I see you. So that's the first step. And then it's really just letting a person open up and share what they need to share and recognizing that we're all just struggling to get by in this world. You know, you, you made a very valid point. It's a challenge for all of us. And then you layer on the additional challenges and traumas of being homeless, perhaps with your family or unable to pay your bills. I always said when I was doing budget counseling years ago at FSW that um, the last taboo that nobody wants to cross is to let you know they can't manage their money. Right. It's a, it's a big failure yeah. in America to be able to manage your money. So all the other things that happen, people may feel comfortable in, in getting help for. But that one's really a challenge. Um, but so with the people that we serve, the, men, the mental illness has become um, more of an issue than ever before. And I think it has a lot to do with the successes we've had in housing all the people that we could over the last maybe seven or eight years. You know, we changed our system to be very housing first oriented, meaning mm. We're not going to wait until somebody proved to us they were ready for housing. We would just house them and then wrap around those same services and supports that we would have required them to sort of acquire on their own before they were ready for housing. And that that paradigm shift really helped us get a lot of people off the street. And really, now we're just seeing new people entering the system, and it's much easier for us to figure out how to house them. And there are no more people on the street for 17, 18 years as there were before. And a part of it was just taking that leap of faith. But what happened now is the people who are out there, many of them are out there by choice. And so it sort of uh, uh, elevates the fact that the mental health um, issues are very prevalent and that maybe the system isn't quite able to handle them. So I think the big challenge for our people that we serve is mental health help when somebody is ready for it, you know, because, you know, people who are struggling, especially with any kind of psychosis or, or other challenges schizophrenia or just you know are are decompensating in some way they may not think that help is necessary and we live in a system where you know patient-centered care means they get to decide if they get help yeah wow interest very interesting we're we're listening to carla miklos um the executive director of operation hope here on band central radio on WPKN. Carla, as we wrap up here, uh, could you tell us a little bit about the August 12th Band Central event that we're doing together uh, at the Scandinavian uh, Club in Fairfield? I just can't wait. It's going to be great. So it's a Thursday night event, and Band Central is sponsoring and playing. We are so excited. Um, we're going to have uh, food trucks. We're going to have a pizza truck, uh, Italian ice, great music. It's just a sort of... Uh, Thank you to the community for letting us be here. Reminder that we're here. Um, We're calling it our Summer of Hope event. We have a few other events happening, but that one's our big signature event. And it's casual. Come as you are. Come have some fun with us and support a really good cause. We're looking forward to it. Yes, please come and you can meet me and Carla at that event. Carla, we want to thank you for joining us here on a a Monday and uh, sharing us uh, your passion. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much, Rob. Take care. Bye-bye.